You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carl Stebbings and Simon Waltorton. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 34 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. I'm Carl Stebbings and back in the kitchen studio finally with me is my co-host Simon Waltorton. Welcome back, Simon. <laughs> Yay! He's back, he's back. So um, You're going to do one with me this week, I am not, <laughs> not forget about me. Simon, we don't forget about you. Yes, you do. You, I, did, I did explain to the listeners uh, on the last show that you do lead an extremely busy life. And uh, obviously, the last episode that you missed out on, uh, which I've done with Pip, um, you were actually out on location with uh, a Mr. David Harris. Yes, you? yes. Um, that was last weekend. What a weekend that was. We had a lot of uh, surprises. Um, went to Flixton. I took him down to uh, Lowestoft uh, Docks to see the um, EC3, EC135 Eurocopter uh, Bond helicopters, um, which was servicing the uh, wind turbines off the coast off the uh, Norfolk and Suffolk coast and um, actually saw it again today because it's been lovely today, but the wind has picked up a bit. Um, lovely day at Flixton, as I said. Um, two uh, special aircraft that came over, um, one being the Mustang and the uh, Pitt Special. Um, no, that, uh, that um, Mustang has most probably come from Duxford or one of your friends, Carlos, because you did say about that, didn't you? Yeah, that's uh, one of the chaps who lives local to here has, uh, has got one. Of the, it's got probably the one you saw was the... Uh, P fifty one Mustang. It was Morris, his name. Yeah, it was um, quite an enjoyable display. Something of a bonus, and uh, we went to the Norwich Aviation Museum as well. Had a lovely time there. Um, so yeah, and uh, I've got a few things to talk about. Um, been to Coltshall just to show him around there as well, and uh, we also um, I went to the Southport Air Show a few weeks ago. That was the last air show. That was a brilliant display. But having said that. The time it took to get out was absolutely the worst ever air show. Was it wor- was it worse than uh, our getting out of Riyadh? Oh yes, oh yes. No, you're joking. Half past four, leave Southport. Half past eight, still in Southport. What do you think of that? Then? <laughs> oh dear, <laughs> that's oh dear. One road in, one road out, and that's. Um, I set off at five a.m. in the morning um, to get there, and I didn't get there. <laughs> Till uh, into Southport till about half past or twenty past twelve. Just saw the red red arrows, um, which was a shame. I didn't see the full display um, with um, my middle daughter and youngest daughter. So I was annoyed about that. But that is a place um, that I really enjoyed to watch the display. I'll talk about more about that later. So shall we push on and get on with the show? Yes, we're going to kick off episode number thirty four then of the uh, of the show. Uh, the date today is the 10th of October, and uh, it's just coming up towards 1 o'clock in the afternoon. We're uh, hitting it nice and uh, nice and early for this uh, for this week's show. So we're going to start the show then, as we do every week, with our rundown of the weekly news. There's been a few uh, interesting things happening, uh, or happened this week, in the news. Uh, so if you're ready, Mr. Walthall. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. So kicking off this week's news then uh, on the Scotsman website, the uh, 
new online newspaper, WestJet uh, confirm Glasgow to Canada flights from 2015. So Glasgow Airport has received a boost after Canadian airline WestJet confirmed its intention to introduce daily direct flights between Glasgow and Halifax from summer 2015. The new link-up will mark the first time the firm has served an airport in the UK and only the second transatlantic route following the launch of flights to Dublin. Halifax, the capital of the Nova Scotia province, has strong ties with Scotland both culturally and historically. In honour of the connection, WestJet will number the Glasgow flight WS30 to mark the St Andrews Day on November 30th. The maiden journey will leave Glasgow on May 30th, 2015 and fly daily until the 24th of October. The flight will last 15 uh, or last the flight will last 5 hours and 15 minutes and will be operated by one of the airline's 136 seater Boeing Next Generation 737-700 aircraft. Managing director of Glasgow Airport Amanda uh, McMillan welcomed the new route adding this is a fantastic news for Glasgow Airport and for Scotland. WestJet is an ambitious airline with an extensive route network and we're delighted it has chosen Glasgow as its first ever UK destination. Scotland has always enjoyed a close relationship with Canada and not only will the daily service to Halifax provide our customers with greater choice, it will further strengthen our long-haul connectivity. The announcement underlies our commitment to delivering the routes and our services to customers' demand and we are looking forward to welcoming WestJet to Glasgow. Is that an airline you've heard of a uh, lot, uh, Simon? I've, I've not really heard a huge amount about WestJet. Uh, no, I haven't uh, heard uh, about WestJet. So is it a direct um, flight then? Yeah, there is a direct flight. Direct There's flight. no stoppages no. or refuels. Um, must be an extra long-range uh, 737 because it's quite a... Quite a haul over there. Yeah, I should imagine they go up along, uh, up sort of towards the uh, poles and, and yes. across into to Canada. Greenland, that way. Iceland, that, that way. Yeah, but uh, that's that's good news for Glasgow. Yeah, uh, definitely good news for Glasgow. Yeah. Next piece of news: then cable.co.uk site, and uh, we've talked about uh, mobile phone usage on aircraft, and obviously the rules have all started to be relaxed now for the use of mobile phones and uh, portable electronic devices on aircraft. But uh, this report is saying that air travellers would prefer not to make voice calls during flights, despite the relaxation of rules on uh, the use of mobile devices during flights. So last week, the European Aviation Safety Agency, EASA, authorised airlines to permit calls and the sending and the receiving of text and data. Previously, passengers could only use their device before and after takeoff and only in flight mode, which disables all connections. However, the International Airline Passengers Association and the Global Business Travel Association both said their members opposed the idea of using mobile phone calls during flights. A spokesperson for IAPA told Cable.co.uk members have opposed passengers using mobile phones to make calls, basically from a a courtesy point of view and a comfort point of view uh, to other passengers. We have not been made aware of any large-scale complaints or incidents, but the perception remains that calls could be disruptive. A GBTA spokesman told uh, us that um, we speak on behalf of the business travel industry as a survey of our US members showed 97% are against this. Um, Sometimes silence is golden. Simon, 
so what do you think about this? Using your well, your phone. W- would you it, like someone sitting next to you to uh, be uh, chatting to their uh, no, mate? No, I think, I think most uh, people would uh, sort of like a bit of uh, comfort because if I'm sitting next to you or anybody on an aircraft, you are going to hear the whole co- or half the conversation and possibly the other half of them speaking because you're so close together and there's nowhere to really stand. But looking at this, just scroll down on this mobile use uh, that's on this page, um, go up a bit. Um, oh, keep going, keep going, stop. Right, we've got mobile use on airlines. Uh, right, airlines, we'll just give you a, a rundown here quickly of um, airline Wi-Fi's, um, British Airways, TBC, EasyJet, no, Lufthansa, yes, Monarch, uh, yes, Ryanair, no, Thomas Cook, TBC, Virgin Atlantic are the only ones to offer Wi-Fi calls and texts on all their uh, flights, but um, a lot of the others are either no's, uh, yes on some of them, or TBC's. So but Virgin Atlantic uh, have got the option there um, for you to do any of the ones uh, that are listed, Wi-Fi, call or text, but the other airlines are a bit sort of um, holding off. But I don't know that you'll get many people because I know I wouldn't want a call on an aircraft unless I'm standing up in the uh, to get off the aircraft, which you can do anyway. Can't I think you? a lot of people struggle as well, Simon, to talk quietly when they're on the mobile fi- mobile phones. Yes, they do. <laughs> you get uh, people uh, who who uh, for some reason think that mobile phone microphones aren't as good as what they actually really are, yeah. and they, they tend hello? to sort of shout, "Hello, uh, I'm on the phone." Hello, <laughs> I'm on the phone. Hello, Mum. It's hot here. <laughs> What's the weather like back home? Oh <laughs> yes, the the inevitable question you yeah. always ask. Y- yeah, you go away on holiday to get away from it, <laughs> and then the first thing you say, "What's the weather like back at home?" That's strange, isn't it? Why does everybody ask that, including me and you? Perhaps uh, next week, uh, Simon. Whilst I'm in Oman, I'll give you a call. And uh, hi, Simon. What's the weather like back home? <laughs> you've been to there already. This how many times you've been on holiday? Oh. God. I'm going back. This is only the second time this year, Simon. <laughs> right. Oh, yes. No, but it, oh, I'm looking forward to that. Anyway. Right, so moving swiftly on then. You've got to come back, though. Oh, God, no. That's horrible. Uh, I'm not looking forward to that factory as no, well. No, 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 no. So moving on then, the Travel Weekly site then. Uh, this is a piece of news that uh, we had uh, featured on our Facebook page, didn't we? Yeah. Um, and uh, this happened uh, last week, and a couple of Ryanair aircraft... Uh, that uh, were taxiing on the runway at Dublin Airport uh, came to a slight bit of grief uh, when uh, they uh, clipped uh, one of the uh, aircraft clipped a wing tip on the uh, horizontal stabilizer on one of another on another Ryanair aircraft and uh, well we can see from the pictures here Simon that um, and air the yeah literally the uh, the uh, the wingtip of the uh, 737-800 the uh, blended winglet uh, the top half the actual part that says R for the Ryanair part or RY has been torn off and is actually lodged isn't it Simon in uh, yeah. in the in the uh, horizontal stabilizer on the back rear yeah, of so the yeah so you've uh, got aircraft. two aircrafts that will be out of service and that will need replacement now we've had a an accident, I think, before, um, which we've posted um, previous times uh, with an aircraft. I think that was the Ryanair as well. But to these two aircraft, um, 
on their service records, this will be logged um, because this could yeah. put a strain on the uh, wings, the actual fuselage, because of the pressure and the damage. I um, think the winglet one's going to be the easy one to fix. Yes, uh, the, the other uh, one. The other one with the horizontal well, That could be just the be... Uh, tail stabilizer, but you've got all the electronics and avionics inside, so it's quite a major job. So the Irish Air Accident Investigation Unit is expected to launch a full investigation into the incident um, in keeping with procedures. And uh, the... Uh, incident which occurred just before 7am on a taxiway intersection and uh, it says here that um, the flight schedule at the airport was operating normally less than half an hour later with some minor delays reported. Ryanair said the two aircraft had been taxiing slowly on the runway when the incident happened. The uh, winglet of the aircraft, uh, like we said, uh, just caught uh, caught the rear of the other aircraft, and uh, like Simon said, these will be out of action for uh, for a while. I'd imagine for a, for at least a week for this uh, damage to be rectified. But uh, not the first incident we've had uh, with Ryanair, is it, Simon? No, with, no, um, not at all. With bit things like this happening. So next piece of news, moving on, the business traveller site, this one, Ryanair again, and there to expand Edinburgh to Stansted services in 2015. So uh, soon after Little Red ceases domestic operations next year, Ryanair intends to boost flights on at least one route. According to the latest news from the Scotsman, Ryanair is set to boost flights frequencies on the Edinburgh to London Stansted route for, for, uh, from three services to five services a day. Approval for the slots has already been granted by the Edinburgh Airport and according to Ryanair Michael CEO uh, Michael O'Leary, um, this has already uh, been put down in paper to uh, go ahead. Currently, Ryanair does not offer, uh, does not, not serve this route at all, but uh, is it, it's scheduled to launch a new uh, service um, at the start of the winter season in a few weeks' time. It will also inaugurate a new route linking Glasgow with London Stansted. Um, Ryanair's previous Glasgow Stansted service departed from Glasgow's far out Presswick Airport. These two new routes will place Ryanair on head-to-head competition with EasyJet and therefore it will mean fiercer price competition for the current incumbent EasyJet. A number of uh, readers have surmised that another domestic airline would take over the role of Little Red at London Heathrow but given the Heathrow slot situation and its high operational costs that it would seem unlikely at the time of writing. So this is uh, good news, definitely for people wanting to travel from Stansted to Edinburgh and back, Simon. Yes, and obviously it's yes. going to be competition for EasyJet. Yeah, um, yeah. The EasyJet route, one of the ones I've travelled, as I said in the past, from Stansted to Edinburgh. Um, but it'll be interesting to see uh, who comes out cheaper with flights. Yes, um, yeah, I did uh, see this uh, a few weeks ago and... Um, and looked into this, um, but I think we were talking about this uh, in a previous uh, podcast, possibly, um, or may have just been talking with David and you about it. Um, it's a good uh, idea because um, it just makes a, a bit more competition. I've flown um, uh, one of the other airlines out of the Stansted to uh, Glasgow, uh, EasyJet, and uh, had um, really cheap flights. So um, I think this is going to up the ante and uh, put some uh, good competition in. Yeah, we'll have to uh, 
Do you fancy a trip to Edinburgh, Simon? Or? I've uh, flown into there before. Do you want to go again? Shall we go Christmas shopping? Well, uh, funny you should say that, but that's what David does. David does that. Um, well, David Harris has some really amazing... For those of you guys listening here who don't listen to the show um, regularly, you would probably wouldn't know about uh, David Harris, but he is a really good friend of mine and Simon's. And um, as we've said before on previous episodes, uh, David... Is is just like a, a human encyclopedia Britannica of aircraft. Fine example, Carlos. Like I said um, to you earlier, we were out at Norwich Airport the other day, and I said uh, we've got a seven four seven now flying over the top of us. He said, "Oh yeah, it's British Airways, uh, London to Beijing," and um, without even looking at anything, he knew the actual aircraft and everything. So, um, but he's an absolute gem for um, knowledge on anything aviation and lots more. Um, he uh, now sort of supplies us with a lot of our um, sort of stories and stuff, so mm. it's good. But he, like you said, he's a fascinating uh, gentleman, isn't he? Yeah, we uh, we're going to have to try and somehow at some point get he, get him in on the show. He did want to come on the show last yeah. time, so uh, we're going to definitely have to do that. Yeah. We'll get him on because he knows all the registration marks, all the routes of every single airline in the whole world. Yeah, for those of you who follow us on Facebook, if you check us out there on the page, you'll see a lot of uh, stories that uh, David's uh, put on there for us. He is good. He's good at that. Very good. So next piece of news, BBC News Lancashire site and uh, Blackpool Airport, unfortunately, is set to close after no buyer has been found. So Blackport, uh, Blackpool International Airport has announced that it will close on the 15th of October which is next week, Simon, Yeah. after a buyer could not be found. In a statement on the airport website, it said that, unfortunately, there is no option for the company other than to close. Owners Balfour Beatty announced last week it had set the 7th of October as a deadline for any sale to be completed. This is a very sad day for the airport, which uh, has a proud aviation history and a loyal, appreciative customer following, the statement added. The company said uh, the airport had been making a loss for several years and had to close because no agreement had been made to secure its future. He added the airport will remain open to the public until the 15th of October and will maintain operations as normal until then. Balfour Beatty, which brought the site in 2008, put it up for sale in August this year. About 110 staff are employed at the airport, which serves some 235,000 passengers last year. Jet2, which uh, had been operating out of the airport, will be transferring its Blackpool flights to Manchester from Friday. So, Simon, end of an era then. It's such a shame when you see things like this happening. Yes, it is. Um, And uh, I've got very fond memories of Blackpool Airport, uh, just for the Red Arrows and... uh, meeting the pilots there uh, two or three times. Um, so it's such a shame. Um, if people don't know exactly uh, where Blackpool Airport is, I'll just give you a rough um, idea. Idea. It's situated um, not far from the front, and if you stand at the end of the runway you um, towards uh, the sea, you will actually be able to go up on the dunes and watch the aircraft take off, which I've done many a times and uh, loads of other people have got a road and a railway uh, way network at the end and you can stand climb up the dunes right to the top and watch the aircraft come up 
over the sea and it's such an interesting sight um i've watched the red arrows take off many a times and it's fabulous because you can actually see them display at southport from there on a clear day and also at the blackpool um air show as well but it's so sad um because all the air show uh sort of um, aircraft do use uh, Blackpool when they display at Southport or Blackpool um, Seafront so they will have to find a new hub uh, to uh, come out of uh, for next season uh, which is such a shame because um, it's uh, an airport which should have um, sort of carried on and been physically uh, uh, keep going for many years. Yeah Blackpool just looking uh, on here Simon has um, two runways. Yes and uh, their longest runway being 6,132 feet long. Yes. Um, that runway, and the other one being 3,294. Um, looking at the um, picture, the overhead picture from uh, 1945, it's the usual apex uh, runway set up with Blackpool. But not only is it such a shame, Simon, that this airport's closing, but it's also a shame for those uh, people working there. Yes. You know, uh, all yes. those job losses. Yes. That is not good. No. Not good at all. So, uh, I mean, we hope, uh, you know, we wish all the people uh, who possibly might be listening to the show who uh, know people or, or work at Blackpool Airport, you know, let's hope uh, something uh, something good happens for you guys. Um, I've got here Blackpool Airport sold for $13 million. Yeah, that was one of the, that was from last year, Simon. That was one, it? yeah, yeah. Right, but it's a shame. Let's hope uh, something good comes of that, and um, well, let's hope a buyer might step in at the last minute, perhaps. Yes, that bit you've just done. So, next piece uh, of news, then, as we're just following on from that story, um, as we said at the end of that story, Jet Two, um, they're moving flights to Manchester, and uh, the airline announced that the services will move uh, from Friday, just gone, the last Friday. And uh, Manchester Airport is to get 26 extra flights a week following this announcement. Uh, and the flights that are operated by Jet2.com will uh, s- uh, switch two aircraft from uh, Blackpool to Manchester. Blackpool Airport, airport owners, uh, Balfire Beatty, who, who own the airport, um, uh, attempted to save it with a last ditch, their ditch attempt uh, to secure the future. But as we said here, Jet2 are moving um, uh, their services, so that's good news for Manchester Airport. There's going to be some extra services from there with Jet2. Um, Blackpool services, uh, which were there, which Jet2.com uh, serviced, uh, were 10 destinations um, to Dublin uh, Dublin and Belfast and the Isle of Man. Um this is good news then for Manchester. A couple more uh, or some more routes moving to there with Jet2. Yes. Jet2, quite a popular airline. Yes. Uh, now, uh, following on from Jet2, I'm going to quickly put this bit in because I've uh, just remembered. We were at, um, going to Norwich Airport and David and I, we were looking at the uh, flight tracker and uh, um, had a look and we saw a Jet2 uh, aircraft at Norwich Airport. And then we looked. And we thought, look at the um, look at the call sign he's got on there, and it was KLM. He was using a KLM call sign, taking off from Norwich uh, to Amsterdam, uh-huh. and then he was going somewhere else. I think he was going down at Heathrow. So whether he'd just come out of the uh, paint shop or anything, I don't know. But he was on a KLM. Um, he had a KLM call sign, which is very strange. He's on a code share with them, so I don't know whether they partly own them. Maybe worth having a look into that in some hmm. more detail at a later later date. 
<clears throat> so next piece of news on the Luton on Sunday site. EasyJet announcing summer flights from Luton Airport to Faro, Cyprus, Lisbon and Mallorca. So for these of you who would like to jet off to the sun. So EasyJet announced on the 8th of October, which was two days ago, um, they announced that its peak summer schedule from 2015 from Luton Airport, they're going to include uh, flights running from Luton to Faro, Portugal, from 3699 uh, Pathos Cyprus from thirty seven ninety nine, uh, Lisbon Portugal from thirty two ninety nine, and Mallorca from thirty two ninety nine. All flights are per person based uh, on two people travelling on the same booking. The airline said that more than ten thousand nine hundred flights on forty two routes are set to take place to and from Luton between the June the first and September the sixth next year. That's some good prices there, Simon. Yeah, plus tax. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's including no, tax. No, plus tax. Do you think that's plus tax? Plus baggage. Oh, yeah. Plus check-in fees. Plus booking fees. Plus a sandwich fee. Yeah. <laughs> plus uh, beverages. So with these uh, routes on sale, then passengers are going to have even more choice uh, than ever where's where to spend their summer breaks. Um, so that's uh, some good news. And I've flown from Luton before, as we said before in previous shows. Have you flown from Luton before, Simon? Um, yes, once. And uh, I've also been there uh, to uh, welcome my mum home from our her Concorde flight, which we uh, bought back in 1994. Um, she had a champagne uh, supersonic flight from London Heathrow uh, to Luton Airport, um, which lasted about two hours, 45 minutes. Um, so that was a sight um, I'll never forget, and uh, that was around was about January or February 1994. And she's got all the details of that certificate, the little salt and pepper pots, um, loads of other amenities. Yeah, so that was a really, really fabulous time she had in the model aircraft as well. But it's a shame that it's not flying anymore. Uh, it's a shame. I love the Concorde. So next piece of news then: Southern Daily Echo and. Uh, new larger jets to fly out of Southampton Airport. So uh, this is uh, just a few days ago. New larger air, uh, jet aircraft have been introduced on UK flights out of Southampton Airport that will add an extra 600 seats a month. Eastern Airways uh, have introduced the Embraer 135 regional jet, which will mean that its popular Bradford and Aberdeen routes will have much greater capacity. This will allow new convenient timings on the service, enabling business commuters to arrive in Leeds Bradford in 45 minutes by 8.35am and in Aberdeen in 1 hour 55 minutes by 9.45am. Jan Halliday, Southampton Airport's Director of Marketing and Communications, said Southampton Airport warmly welcomes Eastern Airways Embryo 135 jets and the additional seats that it brings to this important route. We hope our business passengers will enjoy the convenience of the new timings. I'm just uh, looking at the picture here, Simon, of the uh, E-135, the Embraer 135. Yes, um, no, Eastern Airways, they do uh, a lot of their Saab aircraft out of uh, Norwich Airport, and hopefully uh, in the future we should possibly see these um, aircraft um, hopefully sort of start popping up at Norwich Airport, so that should be uh, pretty good. That's nice. I like the the paint job with the yeah. Eastern Airways. Yes. It's really nice. So next piece of news, Flight Global site, this one. Uh, China Airlines uh, takes the first delivery of their uh, 777-300ER. So China Airlines has taken delivery of its first 777-300ER as part of its long-haul fleet renewal plan. 
The Taiwanese flag carrier's 300ER is fitted with 359 seats in a three-class configuration. There are also 40 seats in business class, 62 in premium economy and 256 in economy class. The aircraft is also equipped with Panasonic EX3 in-flight entertainment system and China Airlines will deploy the new aircraft uh, to uh, Hong Kong on the 10th of October, followed by Los Angeles in December and in 2015 it will also put the type on services to New York and San Francisco. The carrier will take uh, delivery of its second and third 300ERs in October and November this year, respectively. Flight Global's Ascend Fleet's database online shows that China Airlines has an additional nine 300ERs on order. It has a fleet of 77 aircraft in service, comprising of Airbus A330s, 340s, 737s, 747s, and the carrier also has 14 A350-900s on order. Now, now, now a lot of people know this. The ER stands for extra room and extra range of the aircraft. That stands for two things. And uh, so uh, if you're ever wondering what ER stands for, that is uh, what, it, what it is. Extra range and extra room. So yeah, definitely. I love that paint job as well on that one, Simon. The tail yeah. with yes, the, um, uh, the, the uh, flower it, on the tail. On, no, on a clear day, you get a nice view of that sort mm. of high altitude because the white is going to stand out on, from the blue sky. Um and it's got the orchid on the back there, which is really nice. So I, I do love the triple seven, Simon. Yes. Such an awesome aircraft that is to, to Flown see. Flown many a times, many a times. So next news then, uh, flight global again, and this is something that we haven't uh, chatted about for a f- quite a few episodes mm. now, Simon. Um, the Malaysian Airlines three uh, MH three seventy, and uh, the uh, survey ships are set to uh, grapple with a search again, and they've started uh, resumed searches. Um, the Australian authorities have underlined the challenges inherent in finding the aircraft. The complexity surrounding the search cannot be understated, says the Australian Safety Transport Bureau, involves vast areas of the Indian Ocean with only limited known data and aircraft flight information. While it is impossible to determine with clarity where the aircraft may have entered the water, all the available data and analysis indicates a highly probable search area close to a long but narrow arc of the southern Indian Ocean. Following bathymetric surveys that map the ocean floor in areas that are deemed to be the most likely resting places of the Boeing 777-200ER that disappeared with 239 passengers and crew aboard on the 8th of March, the underwater search has resumed and the search centres on the southern arc where the aircraft made its last satellite transmission before running out of fuel and crashing into the sea. While the bathymetric survey will continue to be conducted by the Fuguro Equator survey ship, two other vessels have been deployed to the area for search uh, uh, and you know, the search operation uh, for the aircraft. The uh, Fuguro Discovery and the Go Phoenix, uh, the Go Phoenix has arrived in the so- uh, search area and has commenced search operations. The Fuguro Discovery is in port at Fremantle and will depart for the search area on the 11th of October, which is tomorrow as we record this episode. So, Simon, they're, uh, they're still trying to find this aircraft. Yeah. Um, I honestly think the aircraft has possibly um, landed somewhere because there's not a, f- a fragment, a piece of wreckage, nothing, nothing whatsoever. So there's more of this than meets the eye, as I've said previously. There's so every, many so many different theories going around, Simon. Every um, aircraft that has either ditched in the sea or crashed um, over water 
as there's been debris, but there's you can't have a, an aircraft disappear over the sea without a single piece of wreckage whatsoever. Now that is strange. I know it's out in the middle of the um, sea, but um, it's just so strange. It would have to land it on the water um, without without any damage to the uh, the aircraft, and then it would have to sink without breaking up. Mm. So it just well, it's something you've seen on films, but not, yes, uh, not yeah. in real life. So moving on then, the Flight Global site, this one, and um, looking at these before we start the show, Thompson Airlines or Thompson Airways is uh, exploring new seating concepts for their 737 MAX. The UK carrier Thompson Airways believes it's, uh, it can capitalise on an ancillary approach to new seating concept, uh, concepts for its Boeing 737 MAX fleet. It's yet to decide how many seats it will install on the re-engine aircraft, for which parent TUI has orders for 60, but it's to experiment with different seating arrangements aimed at creating a more social atmosphere for large and small groups. Thompson is looking at introducing a pod uh, with two seats with a table between as part of the MAX configuration. The carrier intends to test a version of this dual-seat arrangement on its current fleet. Although the pod requires a conversion of three seats to two, Customer Service Director Carl Gisling says the airline is confident passengers will notably be celebrating on flights, and this is good for couples and who will be prepared to pay an ancillary premium for the arrangement. Thompson's also exploring a booth layout for the MAX aimed at seating for four passengers centred around a table in a similar manner to a restaurant uh, for larger uh, travelling groups. Looks like, that looks like six. <laughs> that does look like six, that actually, six. Simon, yeah. It is six. Um, for, for groups, so this picture actually says that it has got six seats, as Simon said. Um, Thompson will look into providing exclusive zones for families or different age groups. Um, so, Simon, we're just looking first at this um, picture on this site, then, of the, um, the, the, the couple seat with the table in between, or the little mini table. What do you think of that, Simon? Yeah, that's nice, um, but um, I'm not too sure on that. Or I'm definitely not. That looks like a train. The other seat in configuration. <laughs> it's it's a bit the the, uh, the configuration with the the six seats with a table in between. It, as Simon said, it looks like a, a trail a railway carriage yes. uh, kind of arrangement. Would you um, like to be sitting the wrong way uh, taking off? Because I know I would. That must be strange. Well, but transport military transport aircraft do um, have that kind of seat arrangement. Yes, though, Simon. but um, I'm not so sure on that at all it's nice to have a table though that size yeah but um not the seats mm. that way no no definitely not perhaps next time you fly in an aircraft simon just when you're taking off just turn around on your seat and face the other way if you can get away <laughs> if you can get away with it which being the height you are simon i don't think you would would you <laughs> so last piece of news then uh flight global again uh, extra long haul the 10 furthest airline routes so at 0.26 a.m. local time on the 1st of October, the Airbus A380, uh, the uh, first Airbus A380 to serve the world's longest scheduled air route, Dallas-Fort Worth to Sydney, touched down in Australia's largest city. It marked the 60th anniversary of Qantas Trans-Pacific service to the USA, which began with a Lockheed L-1049 Super Constellation flight from Sydney to San Francisco in 1954. The flag, Australian flag carrier 
is operating the uh, DFW flight six times a week with the A380, which replaced a Boeing 747-400ER on the route. To mark the event, we uh, list the 10 longest current scheduled air services by distance. Uh, This is courtesy of the Flight Global's Innovator Service and Airline Scheduled Data Service. So uh, so at number 10 for the longest route, then uh, you've got uh, Hong Kong, China to Newark, USA. And that's uh, uh, given or um, uh, served. served, Sorry, thank you, Simon. Served by Cathay Pacific United Airlines with a Boeing 777-300ER. That's coming in at 12,971 kilometres. Right, so number nine, Simon? Uh, Number nine is uh, Hong Kong, China to New York. Uh, USA Cathay Pacific. It's another another triple seven three hundred extra range, and um, that is twelve thousand nine hundred eighty three kilometres. Wow. Number eight then is uh, Dubai UAE United Arab Emirates uh, to San Francisco USA. That's again with a triple seven three hundred ER coming in at thirteen thousand and thirty seven kilometres. Next is. uh, American Airlines, it's Dallas, USA to Hong Kong, China. American Airlines, another 777-300ER, uh, 13,053 kilometres um, with its fabulous new livery. That does look stunning, but it that's does, really yes. good. So number six, Dubai, United Arab Emirates to Houston, USA. And Emirates are using the A380, the Airbus, and that's coming at 13,140 kilometres. Now, those two should have been round the other way, number seven and number um, uh, six. Uh, so they got them the wrong way around. Right, in at number five um, is Dubai, uh, um, United Amer- Arab Emirates to Los Angeles, USA. It's the Airbus A380, uh, 13,412 kilometres. Um, now, that's a great livery on that. There's some great liveries and photos that we've got here. So the number four, uh, we have got Jeddah. Saudi Arabia to Los Angeles, USA, and this is served by Saudi Arabian Airlines 777-300ER, and that's coming in at 13,422 kilometres. Right, and at number three, it's Abu Dhabi uh, to uh, United Arab Emirates to Los Angeles, USA, Etihad, and this is a 777-200 long-range aircraft, and it's 13,494 kilometres. And at number two, uh, we've got Atlanta, USA to Johannesburg, South Africa. That's served by Delta Airlines, and that's with a 777-200 long range again at 13,572 kilometres. And at number one, Simon. Yes, the number one, which we uh, just said about, is Dallas-Fort Worth, USA to Sydney, Australia, Qantas Airways, Airbus A380, 13,790 kilometres. Now, most of the aircraft in that list are either... Well, mostly triple sevens, three hundred extra range. So, um, if they aren't them, they're the two hundred version, the triple seven, or the A three eighty. And I'll travel on any of those because they're all great aircraft. Yep, I'll be on one Sunday, Simon. (laughs) Right, so we're going to leave up the news end for this week, and we're going to move on with the show, and uh, we're going to come back with you after this with Simon's segment with the military aircraft aviation news and airshow news. Aviation media has long been the domain of the newspapers and magazines. Well, not anymore. 
I'm Steve Fisher. And I'm Grant McCarran, and we're bringing aviation right into your radio. Yes, we're making aviation cool and interesting for everyone. Hang on, aviation's always been cool. Check this out. How cool is this? Grant, Grant, turn that down. Here at Plane Crazy Down Under, we've got pilots, engineers, air traffic controllers, industry leaders, even politicians dropping by to talk to us about the amazing world of aviation right here in Australia and occasionally in New Zealand as well. Wow, that's cooler than I thought, mate. Find us at planecrazydownunder.com, on iTunes, or lurking about on other people's podcasts just like this one. We've got crazy accents and lots of great aviation content. And we promise not to talk about the cricket. No, never. Not the cricket. Quack, 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 quack. <laughs> what is cricket anyhow? Something we win a lot. Oh, there oh. we <laughs> Don't forget, you too can contact the show and leave your messages for Simon and Carlos. Contact them via their website at www.plaintalkinguk.com or email them at plaintalkinguk at hotmail.com. Send them your messages. They really want to hear from you. Right, so with his military aviation segment, I'm going to hand you over to Simon. If you're ready, Simon. Yes, I'm ready. You're ready. So with his military aviation and air show news, I'll hand you over to Simon. Thanks very much. And uh, the first piece of news is uh, Greece looks uh, to reactivate the PC-3 Orion fleet. Um, and God, this is uh, quite a major thing and uh, has moved a step closer to reactivating its Lockheed Martin P-3 Orion uh, maritime surveillance aircraft. The US State Department having on the 7th of October approved a requested 500 million modernisation deal. So... Uh, They've got to use $500 million to uh, get this fleet uh, reinstated into the uh, sort of fleet to be performed by Lockheed via the foreign and military sales process. The move opens the door for Greece to overhaul and upgrade its aircraft and purchase associated equipment, parts, training and logistical support, the US Defence Secretary Corporation Agency says. So um, that's pretty good news um, uh, for job-wise and uh, reactivating all these aircraft uh, um, to get them back uh, sort of in into service. Right, the next piece of news is Russians re-engined 1176MD to makes a flight debut. Um, they're uh, aircraft. They're amazing, aren't they? They're just copies of uh, all the normal uh, Boeing and Airbus aircraft, I think, <laughs> with, with added extra bits. And uh, Russian Air Force remains on track to receive its first Illusion 1176 MD 90A uh, airlifted before the end of this year after the type completed its 4 hour 20 minute flight debut at Aviastar SP production site in how do you pronounce that? <laughs> Ilanovsk on the 3rd of October the aircraft's crew performed checks on its general handling engine performance and other systems during the sortie Aviastar says the PERM uh, PS90A76 engine uh, transport will soon enter flight testing in conjunction with the Air Force pilots and will be transferred to Russian's Defence Ministry. A delivery guild of the late 2014 has uh, previously uh, been referred to. Uh, so it was just a funny aircraft. I'm just looking at the picture of it. 
What does that look like to you? That looks a bit like a globe master <laughs> or, or something else. Um, but These, these military at... transport aircraft, Simon, they're, they're just... They are flying tanks. Yeah, they, they are. Really? They are. And look at all the um, windows under the cockpit there at the mm. front. Um, if that's what they are, I would imagine they could be. Um, well, these aircraft are really old, Simon. These uh, there's IL seventy six. Yes, um, and um, look at the uh, engines. It looks as though they've got covers on in the sky, don't they? It doesn't look as though there's um, an engine there, although you can physically see it. But it doesn't. Mm. The vents look uh, completely covered up. It's a good, it's a good colour scheme. It's a good colour scheme. Yes, right. The next piece of news is the US Air Force moves ahead with the F-16 service life extension. So this aircraft is um, obviously being extended in uh, life, and the US Air Force is pushing ahead with the effort uh, to expand and extend the service life of 300 Lockheed Martin F-16 CD fighters as a stopgap uh, measure until the F-34 F-35 Lightning II is operational sufficient numbers. Um, so uh, there has been previous problems with the F-35 uh, Lightning II, so this is why I would imagine they've uh, sort of extended the life of this aircraft. Um, and the service is announced on the 2nd of October, and it will finalise the design of the aircraft within 18 to 24 months. and wants to give prospective industry bidders a first look at the scope of the work needed to extend the aircraft's service life from 8,000 flight hours between 10 and 12,000 flight hours so that may not seem a lot of hours but um, if you add that up um, I suppose you could add and split divide that up with the amount of aircraft that each um, F-16 Simon that's, that's been around for a long while it's yeah, such it you know it just it just goes to prove if they're um, extending the service life yes yes they um, want these air aircraft to continue yes, in service yes, definitely yes right um, the next piece of news uh, um, new uh, airline airline new aircraft Typhoon display uh, pilot has been announced and we did actually interview the uh, pilots for the Typhoon display and it's good to know that we have the Typhoon on the circuit for next season and uh, Flight um, Lieutenant uh, Dowen uh, will have a busy year demonstrating the renowned multiple role aircraft to millions of people across the UK while maintaining his role as Typhoon instructor on the 29 Reserve Squadron at RAF Coningsby. Flight Lieutenant Dowen uh, begins to plan his display now, and he will formally take the reins in the new year. Flight Lieutenant Down said, it's a huge honour as a selected pilot for the Typhoon Display uh, 2015 season. This uh, to be given the opportunity to showcase the jet as a very best in its real privilege, and I look forward to the challenge of the continuing run of excellent displays we have had over the years. It will be a busy year, but a rewarding one. I'm sure a great chance to engage with the public and share the passion for aviation, and I hope everyone enjoys the display. So look at that aircraft. Um, he's uh, handing the reins over there. Yeah, um, Flight Down takes over the gloves from Flight Lieutenant Noel Rees. Yeah, and that's one of the guys that we interviewed mm. in the previous podcast. And uh, um, that is good that we know that the Typhoon is now um, ready uh, for sort of uh, display for next season. Uh, so that's pretty uh, good news. Mm. Right, the next piece of news is the new boss for RAF's oldest fighter squadron. Control of the RAF's oldest fighter squadron was handed to a new boss recently when Wing Commander Mark Fluin passed on command of one fighter squadron to Wing Commander Mike Sutton. Uh, Wing Commander <coughs> uh, Fluin had uh, been the official commanding officer um, of the fighter squadron since he uh, reformed as a Typhoon Squadron in September 2012. He was keen to highlight the efforts of the whole squadron during recent changes, he said. 
It's been a real privilege and honour to uh, not only reform uh, number uh, one fighter squadron as the fourth Typhoon frontline unit, but also lead such a motivated and passionate team during what has been a busy but extremely enjoyable two years. So that's a, another piece of good news there. Mm, definitely, yeah. It's good. To, it's good. I didn't realise they were the oldest fighter squadron. Yes, Obviously, yes. number one squadron. Yes. I suppose that makes sense, yes, doesn't it, really? Yeah. Right. Um next piece of news um, which I posted on my Facebook page is RAF Lossmouth based D Flight 202 Squadron has mounted a nighttime rescue of an oil rig after a ship carrying radioactive material caught fire and began drifting in the Moray Firth. Um, so this is quite a, a, a serious rescue here. We've got radioactive stuff um, which caught fire on an um, oil rig. Parada was uh, transporting cargo of radioactive concrete waste from when fire broke out in two of the funnels, forcing the crew to shut down her engines, the ferocity of the weather caused her to drift uncontrollably towards the near nearby Beatrice Rig. The Aeronautical uh, Rescue Coordination Centre uh, called the helicopters from RAF uh, Search and Rescue at uh, Lossiemouth, uh, Sumbra Coast Guard, to perform an uh, excavation of 52, evacuation of 52 workers, so God, flipping heck, that's quite a scary um, thing. Uh, obviously, the weather has hampered the uh, search mm. um, of this, um, but the good old Sea King uh, from Lossiemouth and uh, everything has uh, performed well again. Um, this is such an old aircraft, and we was talking to David about this uh, coming to the end of its lifespan uh, uh, very soon and uh, being replaced by the Coast Guard helicopters. So you've got some air show news uh, for 2015, Simon. Already, we've got some. Uh, we have got some dates for 2015. Yes, uh, we've got a few dates. Uh, one date I'm going to give you uh, is the Biggin Hill, which is on the 13th of June. That has been confirmed. Festival of Flight. We'll be actually going to that again, um, and there will be um, uh, a few more that uh, we'll be going to as well. So um, it's good to see the uh, air show season. Um, has started to reappear for next year uh, as a, it's such a shame we've come to the end of uh, this season and dates for Riyadh as well Simon <laughs> uh, yes we've got the dates for the Riyadh is 17th to 19th um, of um, uh, July and the countdown uh, mark from Breitling is already on so uh, um, it will give you a time on that and uh, we have 279 days 17, <laughs> 17 hours 52 minutes and 10 seconds precisely so yeah, put, mark that one in your diary, and I'm sure there'll be some great aircraft, and uh, just watch this space as we'll update you and everything. So, yeah. Um, I will uh, give you a run-through. The Red Arrows are actually keeping their tail design, but they will just re- uh, be um, taking off the 50th anniversary um, logo. So you'll have the full um, the or part of the logo from this season, uh, which will be staying uh, except for the 50th um, thing, which is no more, because a lot of people have liked that tail design so much. But I know there are other people um, who uh, wish the old tail design to go back because there's too much blue in it. I think David wanted the yes, original one back. Yes, he did. He? Uh, yeah. he, he wanted the, said it was too blue. But I like that new tail design, and it stands out on the aircraft and uh, just makes them that a little bit more special. So, yeah, that is uh, good. Also, um, we uh, have confirmed that David Montenegro is the new uh, pilot for the 2015 display season, a previous uh, Red Arrows pilot. So that is good news, uh, which you've done in a previous podcast, didn't you? Yeah, we did. We, 
we touched on that. And um, we've got the uh, new three pilots, so um, we're looking forward to the Reds uh, next season. But it's now um, sort of overhaul time, and uh, a lot of the others have been um, uh, gone to the sort of typhoon display and training uh, um, crews uh, based at Coningsby and Lossiemouth. So um, it's such a shame uh, that we'll miss all the guys, as, as we do every year when uh, some of the guys uh, move on. Um, right, next piece of news I've got is uh, the Southport Air Show. Now, this was my first chance to actually catch up and see the final public display of the two Lancasters. Um, I was there a few days before it I made its um, fl- long journey back to um, sort of Canada, and um, I managed to get some lovely merchandise. I got a, a Vera hat, um, which was uh, nice. The the merchandise was very, very expensive, um, but worth it because it's to a good cause. Um, so I've got a hat, two stickers, a badge, and um, a sort of uh, um, a lovely book um, based and talking about both the Lancasters. So it was a really enjoyable day. Well, we're not going to see her again in our lifetime, Simon. I don't. Um, possibly if we uh, take a visit out there. Um, but I'm so glad that I managed to see it um, before it actually went home. And uh, it was such a lovely display. And the good thing about it is, I was the one good thing at Southport, some great aircraft. And I went on the Sunday, not expecting to see the Vulcan. But because the weather was bad on the Saturday, the Vulcan didn't display. So they brought it on the Sunday. So that was a real bonus. And um, I really enjoyed that. Um, there was uh, quite a. A heavy um, presence of helicopters at this air show, um, which was quite um, enjoyable. Um, we had the Huey, um, which was nice to see, because that's a very rare um, aircraft to sort of see flying and uh, see appear at an air show, um, which was really good. Well, I've got the program in front of me here. I'm just uh, going through, um, having a look at the uh, aircraft that um, did fly. Now, we... I'll give you a run through of all the helicopters. The Huey is the Bell UH-1, uh, aka Huey, as a military helicopter. was powered by a single turboshaft engine with a two-bladed main rotor and tail rotor. So um, it's quite nice. It was a unique uh, noise um, to hear this old uh, uh, Huey going over. And it was black and white in colour, and I really enjoyed that. <clears throat> the Black Cat Lynx solar display, they were there. The Merlin display team... Um, that was there. Um, that was really good. The Lynx. Um, now, the Lynx uh, display team made its uh, actual last flight with one of the uh, aircraft that's been in service many a years. And um, it was its final ever display. But it would be coming back um, with a newer uh, Lynx in the future, possibly next year or the year after. <coughs> Excuse me. And also the uh, Royal Navy Sea King uh, Mark V uh, was there um, from Coldrose uh, in Cornwall. Um, so it was nice to see that he'd done uh, some really low passes and some uh, winching, and uh, but it's a little bit different for me to see that uh, Royal Navy helicopter because um, normally we um, I'm just sort of um, seeing the yellow Sea Kings, but to see the uh, red and grey one uh, going about with its distinctive uh, stripe uh, of red and grey was quite um, quite exciting. So, but there was some lovely aircraft. As I said, the Vulcan was there, the Red Arrows. The Blades, the Jet Provost, uh, the Extreme XA-41, the Bulldog, the Catalina uh, from uh, Plane Sailing at Duxford, which we've uh, interviewed uh, the guys from there. Um, we had the Tucano, the Tutor, um, the Mustang, uh, the Spitfire, 
great war, uh, war display team. Um, the camera was a good display. He uh, done a, an absolutely brilliant display as well. The Typhoon, that was spectacular as always. And then obviously the two Lancasters, the Battle of Britain Memorial Flight, um, uh, which was linked up with the other Lancaster. So that was quite an um, an enjoyable uh, time had there. The only thing is one road in, one road out. And as I said, it, it took me um, such a long time to get in and such a long time to get out. So that is the only uh, warning that I'd give anybody uh, going there. Just have to watch the traffic because that was just horrendous and I didn't get back until um, 1.30 in the morning. Or flying. Yes. Yeah, so... Um, yeah. So anyway, uh, I was with David Harris and uh, we had a good uh, mooch round and took him to a few local haunts uh, regarding uh, sort of uh, air show places and uh, aviation places. And uh, we went to um, Flixton Aviation Museum just up the road from Carlos. And uh, uh, the first day we went on the Saturday, it was chucking it down rain, they were closed on the Saturday, but we went on the Sunday, clear blue skies, perfect weather. Had a lovely look round, and um, I took one of my daughters there as well. And uh, we had the added bonus of in the pit special, which was a red aircraft. I think I'm friends with her on Facebook. It's a woman uh, pilot. She was doing a display um, while we were walking round inside, and we came out and to be uh, greeted by a lovely display being done by her. And then uh, after that. But then we were back inside again, and then the Mustang came over, so that was uh, enjoyable, and he done a display. So it felt like a mini air show to us, and um, uh, that Mustang uh, is one of your people you know, isn't it, Carlos? Yeah, Morris, yeah, our local, one of our Mustang owners. Yeah, so uh, that was good. And then uh, we went also, uh, I took him to uh, Beckles as well, and we saw the uh, Cessna Caravan doing some... Uh, fly arounds with the uh, parachutes and uh, we had some really enjoyable uh, time up there uh, watching that and thanks to the guys for letting us have a look at the uh, caravan the day before in the hangar <coughs> excuse me um, that was really enjoyable and uh, the parachutes uh, were giving us a few frights um, as they were coming in on the tandems we had to duck really uh, quickly because we thought they were going to um, clip our heads because um, they were really cl- uh, close and also um we went to uh, Horsham St. Faith uh, Norwich Aviation Museum, had a lovely look around there. And um, the F-27 Fokker AUK has been to the Spray Vier paint shop and had a complete respray uh, for the students who have actually done this. And they've done a first-class job, and it stands out, and it looks as though it's ready to fly again. Um, so if you get the chance to go up there, Carlos, um, in the near future, it's well worth it. Um, so that was really good. <clears throat> I had to look at the Nimrod, but that was closed, and a lot of the other aircraft. So um, that was a um, really interesting day. And then we went to Coltishaw, just took him around there to have a look where um, the actual uh, aircraft used to fly out of Coltishaw, the Jaguars and all the other aircraft. And I also took him to County Hall to see the ex-Gate Guardian of um, RAF Coltishaw, which is a full-size um, test aircraft uh, Jaguar which is based at County Hall, but it's around the rear of um, the building. Uh, so uh, we had a quick wander around that and look at that aircraft. He was enjoy- enjoyed that as well. And uh, while we no, we went to Norwich Airport um, Terminal, and he uh, couldn't believe how many fly- flyby flights have been sort of withdrawn. And Logan Air, which is part-owned um, part owned flyby, 
actually um, using a lot of aircraft. Now, there's not many Dash 8s uh, flying in and out of there. There are uh, other aircraft they're using now, and uh, they're all subsidised by Logan Air, and they're just plain white ones. So, unless um, Flyby... They are cutting back, but I think what's happening is because the flights aren't that uh, busy, they just withdraw them straight away, and then they can reintroduce them at a later date if there is a demand and call for them. So... Um, you want to surprise me, Simon? You've been what you know. You've been you've been talking about all these aircraft and places to go. It's surprising the amount, just the sheer amount of aviation-based um, places you can find if you search hard enough in and around where we live. Because uh, pretty much uh, there's there's so many different museums and places to go, isn't there, Simon? Yes. Around this area. Yes, and another place I forgot to say. We went to North Dean's um, Great Yarmouth uh, near Caister. And I took them down there to see the Scotia um, CHF um, aircraft, <coughs> uh, which are still going out of there. And there used to be lots of Cessnas and other aircraft flying, but that used to be part of Air Anglia uh, many years ago. Used to get the Cessna pleasure flights at that. Used to go along the coast um, down uh, Great Yarmouth, down to Lowestoft, and then return. But they've all sort of finished and ceased now. But it was. Quite memorable going down, except I've been down there for years, and my uh, dad used to um, fly out of there on the uh, Wessex and the Sikorskys um, to the North Sea uh, gas platforms and uh, oil. So uh, it's good to see that they're still going, but they're going to transfer to Norwich Airport as of uh, the next few years um, because uh, Bristol's used to come out of there as well, and they've now transferred. And they used to fly from... North Deans to Beckles as well, so um, which is such a shame, uh, but that's the way it goes, and uh, things are moving on and changing all the while. Beckles being where I'm learning to fly. Yes. Where I'm flying from tomorrow, again, yeah, for another bit, lesson. Yeah, a bit windy. Yeah, that'll be a bit... I had a windy lesson last weekend, Simon. Yeah, you should have gone on out yesterday. <laughs> so, Simon... Uh, I think, that, I think we're just about done there. You've, you've not, got to get away, haven't you, Simon? Yes, yeah, so there's not a lot of uh, aircraft that I can actually uh, talk about because all the air shows have actually finished. Um, we will do some special features uh, in the winter months and uh, give you up-to-date um, thing. We're, we've nearly been going a year, Carlos. Can you believe it? I know. <laughs> I know, I know. It's, uh, it's Well, it is nearly a year. So we are going to bring episode 34 to a close. It's been a short one this week, um, but Simon's... Uh, He's such a busy chap, I tell you. He's he's always he's always doing something, and uh, I'm just looking across the studio here. Simon's pointing out to me that today he's wearing his Air Atlantique polo shirt uh, yes. with the DC three on the Dakota, front, yes. on the coat, which I've uh, flown on many a times <laughs> out of Coventry um, to uh, one or two air shows. So yeah. So don't forget, uh, you can find us uh, on the internet, on the interweb at uh, www.planetalkinguk.com, plain spelled P-L-A-N-E. Go on there and uh, you can click on the Contact Us tab and send us uh, send us your feedback uh, via email. And also, uh, don't forget, you can find us on Facebook to search for Plain Talking UK. And we're also on Twitter, so you can follow us on Twitter, Plain Talking UK. Do send us some feedback. And don't forget as well, when you're on iTunes, uh, if you download us via iTunes, which a lot of our uh, listeners do, uh, just just uh, if you've got uh, five minutes, just leave us a bit of feedback on iTunes. That would be really, really awesome. Uh, so we're going to bring episode 34 to a close. And uh, let Simon get uh, get on with his busy day. 
So thanks for listening, everyone, and we hope you've enjoyed this show. We're going to come back to you again next week, and uh, in next week's episode, we're going to have a segment from Pilot Pip, who was on last week's episode with me as a guest host. Uh, We've got a really good segment that Pip's put together for us, all about ILS, Simon, Instrument Landing Systems, uh, which we're going to feature in our next episode, 35. So we're going to bring 34 to a close. Say goodbye to all our listeners. Bye bye. <laughs> so from uh, me, Carlos, it's a uh, very blue sky, but uh, chilly outside. Goodbye. And from my uh, place where I'm looking, and Carlos wasn't, it's an overcast uh, <laughs> uh, sky. And uh, tutty bye for now. Go okay, Take care then. Bye. Bye. <laughs>